kind of money person are you? Do you like to save, spend? Do you need to make more or do you have enough? What would you do if you had more money? Do you love yourself as much as you love money? What's the correlation? And what if we shifted our attitudes towards money? How altruistic are we? What if we were able to spread more joy with more money? Hey there, I'm Tiz and welcome to another episode of Tiz Talks. So let me ask you, what is your relationship with money? I mean, when you think of money, what comes to mind? Does it make you think about how much you want more of it? Or maybe it makes you feel awful because you owe so much of it? You know, for many people, money can be a super big motivator, but for others, not so much. And of course, money can cause us all a lot of stress and worry. It can be the source of many arguments. I can certainly attest to that in failed marriages and divorces. Many families are torn apart because of money disputes, contesting wills, and what have you. People have died over money. When it comes to money, people can become really weird and unreasonable and greedy. And, you know, often money is power and power in the wrong hands. Well, we know that's really dangerous. But then there's also the flip side to money. I mean, it can be such a good thing and a source for so much good. I mean, the saying money can't buy you happiness is true. You know, we can't expect it to make us feel whole, but it sure can be a great conduit to some pretty great things. I mean, also, it can give us peace of mind knowing all of our debts are paid. It can bring us all kinds of joy when we take money and do something really thoughtful with it for someone else. You think of, you know, being able to help someone buy a wheelchair for someone who really needs it, but, you know, maybe can't afford it. Money can do some really great things in this world. It can even bring us closer and money can buy us tickets to fly and go visit families far away. It can help put our children through university. You know, money can help to buy us some great memories money donated can help to find, you know, cures to all kinds of deadly diseases. So, you know, there's so much great that can come of money when we invest it and, and, and spend it thoughtfully and wisely. There's so many cliches about money, but you know, there's one that says, you know, money makes the world go around. And well, I think that's very true. It's what we think about pretty much every single day. I mean, I think everybody thinks of money at some point of the day, if not a lot. And yet we have such a contentious relationship with our money. We love it. We hate not having it. We get frustrated and stressed if we need it. And for some, they're great at making it and saving it and building it while others Well, money can just burn a hole in their pocket faster than they made it. Some have taken the time to really learn and understand money and know how it, how to, how money works for you while others don't know how to make money work for them. I think the rich get richer because they've taken the time 
to know and understand their money. You know, what their, that their money, you know, buys more money. Some people are very envious of rich people. Some people like really hate and despise them. It's, it's a jealousy thing, I think, but, and they, a fairness thing perhaps. And even though I tend to struggle a little bit with just how much money Jeff Bezos has, I mean, his wealth alone, one person in this entire world has the ability to solve world hunger and then some, one guy. I mean, so we can only hope that the really rich are also super compassionate and generous. But the truth is, you know, money, it's an endless, bottomless resource. It's not like Jeff Bezos took all the money in the world and now he's hoarding it for himself. And now there's none left for the rest of us. I mean, everyone has the opportunity to make as much money as they want. That reservoir never runs dry. Jeff Bezos started in his garage. It's not like this was handed to him. So if there's an infinity of money, then what the heck? I mean, why aren't we all rich? And why are the majority of people in this world leaving all kinds of endless amounts of money on the table that they could potentially have? I think having more money has a lot to do with our relationship with it, how what we think of it and how we value it, and subsequently how we value ourselves. And I think it goes all the way back to when we were kids. You know, those early experiences with our parents and with our money. I've come to believe that the relationship we have with our money really is intrinsically tied to our self-worth. You know, those those that believe they can achieve great things and they, they can make endless amounts of money. They feel empowered and they feel that they deserve to succeed. While those that don't believe, well, they don't believe that they're des- deserving, deserving of success or money. And that's, that's being, feeling defeated and deflated so they struggle to hold on to money. You know, they go through periods of feast and famine. Because when we feel worthless, often so are our pockets and our bank accounts. So I think that's why this huge movement of law of attraction fails so many people. I mean, it sounds so simple. Because the only way that we can manifest anything in our lives is if we truly believe we are worthy of it. Quantum science has taught us to attract something, we can't repel it. And that's what we often do. We start shooting ourselves in the foot. And it doesn't favor people that are good versus people that are bad. I mean, money doesn't flow that way. I mean, you know, you just don't get money for being nice. And it doesn't, you know, not be given to bad people because they're bad necessarily. No, it has a lot to do with what you believe. If you personally believe wholeheartedly 
that you deserve money, well, those those positive beliefs about yourself are, are going to work. Good or bad. I've discovered a really long time ago that money is just not discerning. I suppose that's why there's a lot of narcissistic people that are <laughs> millionaires and billionaires. I don't know. Anyway, I'm digressing. I want to go back to when we were kids in our relationship at home with money, because I think that's where a lot of this begins with our relationship with money. When I was little, I literally had hardly any experiences with money. I, I mean, I'm trying to think back and just, you know, putting this podcast together and trying to remember those, you know, key moments. But I was never given an allowance. I remember my friends were, and I was envious of that. Why, why am I not getting an allowance? I was never taught about money or even the value of it. Yet money seemed to be something our household was always in need of. And I was confused because we always dressed really well and we ate really well. I mean, we had a car, we lived in a house, we had Christmas tree and presents just like everyone else. So, you know, why did my parents argue so much about money if we were rich? Because as a little girl, that's what I thought. But we weren't rich. We lived in a rented home, living paycheck to paycheck. And I remember when I was six years old, my mom had to go back to work because the household needed more money and she had no skills. So an Italian immigrant person and, and she went to work in a shoe factory, gluing soles onto shoes that, that later was uh, thought to be the cause of her cancer. And then when my dad died 10 years after that, when I was 16, that's when I discovered we had nothing. I mean, he left us with absolutely nothing. No home, no insurance, no investments, just whatever money was in the bank account at the time. And by this time, my, my older siblings, they were married with their own kids, and it was just my mom and I left at home. And I can tell you, it was a very depressing time of my life. She went off to work as a dishwasher because that's all she could do. And I remember her bringing home leftover food from the diner for us to have for dinner at night. I really hated this time. I was angry. I was angry at my dad who didn't think of my mom or me or didn't think we were worthy enough to be financially looked after. You know, my, my father was too afraid of money. You know, he, he once put a down payment on a house and later, and later uh, you know, took it back. And the house, I think, was only selling for about $12,000. And that house today would have been worth like 600000 My mom would have probably lived in it her whole life. His fear was so short-sighted. But I know, I know that, that he loved us. He just had this peculiar relationship with money. But I, I think because of that, what he didn't realize was that what he was doing sent a message to me that, well, you don't deserve it. You're not worth investing in. My mom and dad, though, were really hard workers. You know, they came from another country. You know, they were struggling with language and so much more. So they worked super hard. That's what I saw. 
They use their money to to put that roof over our heads and buy food and buy clothes. That's what I saw. I never saw any other kind of extravagance. And, and to have just a little bit of money, though, meant working really, really hard for it. There was never any knowledge or learning of, of money in our household. I didn't hear, I didn't know about things like compounding effect and how that could, you know, continue to grow your money exponentially. No one taught me that stuff like that. There was no such talk because there was no such knowledge. And I think the majority of people in this entire world likely grow up this way. And the message is, money only goes to the lucky ones. You know, that that the cards, you know, were against us. And some seethe with envy, you know, to those that have some wealth. And in particular, those who have legacies and inheritances. I mean, how dare they not work so hard for the money and just have it handed down to them? Because we live in scarcity. That's what we learned. Money is scarce, but it's not scarce. There's an endless supply. What was scarce was our knowledge. And that only caused a lot of tension of all the things that we couldn't do without money. See, when I was little, no one taught me that if I made $5, I could save half of it and make money grow and allow myself to spend the rest. No one, no one taught me that I should think of the future and invest in things that could help me later on in life when I retire. No one taught me that if I started investing now as a young girl, even my meager little paycheck could potentially, you know, whatever I put aside, be worth millions down the road. No one told me that I don't have to work so hard. And no one told me that all I do need to do is work smart. No one said to me that I could make as much money as I wanted. No one told me that I deserved to make as much money as I wanted. No one said that I deserved to have boundless amounts of it and that I could do all kinds of great things with it. There was no kind of message like that when I was young. In fact, don't we often punish children by taking away their allowance? I never did this sort of thing, but I remember my friends saying, oh, I'm grounded and I'm not going to get allowance now for the next two weeks. So the message to children is, well, when I'm not nice, I'm punished with uh, money being taken away from me. When in reality, what we're saying is you're not deserving of money because you've been bad. And we know that that's not true. But that's the message. So we end up thinking that we are less than, that we are bad, and that because of that, we don't deserve a lot of money. Do we need to start teaching children at a very, very early age, like maybe when they first start going to school, about money? And as they move on in school, keep developing that knowledge of money? Yes, absolutely, yes. I mean, I think every child on this earth should be empowered 
to know about money and how it works and to be made to feel that they deserve it and that no matter what their lot in life is, that they can go out and make boundless, endless amounts of it if they choose. That they're worthy even when they make mistakes, even when they mess up or even when they disappoint someone, you know, to even if they feel angry or if they feel ashamed or if they feel anxious, you know, or maybe they've said something that they shouldn't have. And, and then as we grow up, maybe if we lose our jobs or we lose our boyfriends or girlfriends or our partners, we are still worthy and deserving of money. And that, my friends, makes us feel better about ourselves when we know this, to believe that we are worthy. Because if we can help kids to really feel that level of worthiness, they'll start to love themselves a lot and and think more of themselves. And when we truly, I think, have a better esteem of ourselves, I think we start to look out for ourselves better and take better care of our futures. You know, I spent all of my 20s living paycheck to paycheck. There was never any money left over. I just had to keep my fingers crossed that nothing would happen, that I'd end up having to spend money like if my car broke down. I worked most of my 20s holding down more than one job, sometimes three. I'd have a full-time and two part-time, and I'd leave one job, go to another. And I would buy just enough gas to get me from point A to point B. I mean, I was that girl that would put a few bucks in her tank and then regularly run out of gas. One time, I I ran out of gas right in front of my office building that I worked at. I mean, it was literally only a few feet away from the parking lot, but I didn't make it. So I had to get out of my car on the side of the road and walk the rest of the way into my office building. Well, I guess everyone was looking out the windows because when I walked in, everybody was laughing. They just thought this was the funniest thing ever. And when I got to my desk, there was this huge sheet of paper that said E stands for empty. That was me. That's how I lived my life, just like my parents did, working super hard for very little in return and often without a net. It wasn't until I became a mom, when I had my daughter, everything changed for me. It wasn't until then that I realized this might be the way I've had to live in the past, but my daughter doesn't need to live this way. And I realized I didn't want her to grow up like this. I mean, I lost my dream of going to university when my father died and I didn't want her to lose any of her passions, to not have anyone look out for her financially. Heaven forbid if something happened to me or her dad, I wanted her to be looked after. I wanted her to know she's worthy of planning ahead for. I remember when she was just a newborn, uh, my husband had received a $10,000 bonus at the time. And I mean, that's not huge money in this day and age, but at the time it was certainly enough. And he was thinking about buying a nice shiny new car. 
And I said, why don't we buy, why don't we put a down payment on a house instead? I mean, we had this new baby, we were in a one bedroom and, and that's what we did. And it was the first smart money decision we ever made. But, you know, our money habits didn't really change that much overnight because, you know, we, we brought our whole lives and our relationship with money to the, to, to the marriage. So, so because our habits didn't change that much, you know, what did change though was my feeling about passing this on. And this, this was a big thing for me. And I remember one night I said to my husband at the time, I said, I've invited an investor to come over to the house to talk to us. And his response was quite angry actually and said, we can't afford to invest. We don't have any money. And that's exactly what my father would have thought. And subsequently, subsequently, I think what a lot of people think, like, how could we possibly afford to invest in ourselves if we're living like so tightly? But this was the mindset. And so, you know, I, I started changing as a result of becoming a mom because this, this was a pattern I saw that needed breaking. And I, I thought, well, wait a minute, we do deserve to have a retirement fund. We do deserve to uh, have these things. And we have a responsibility. We have children now. But when it came to me, I still had some deep-seated shortcomings and those feelings of unworthiness because I had a tendency to attract the wrong kind of relationships and put my trust in people that in the end had no intention of looking up for me. And because of that, I lost a lot of money because of bad relationships, bad bosses, people that left me in a financial lurch. I mean, these were really, really hard lessons for me. And I don't know if it was a self-fulfilling prophecy because I felt that level of unworthiness. I don't know. But and I would think that most people might say, yeah, that might have something to do with it. Because I put my money on people that gaveth and then tooketh away. But as angry and as hurt as I was that this was this had happened to me, I I finally realized that the only way to make sure this no longer happens to me is to to really change my relationship about money and and that feeling of worthiness and deserving. And you know what? I do deserve more. I deserve love and I deserve money. And that was a really, really big turning point for me. And also that I think if you want something, you need to give it. And that's what I was starting to do for my daughter. You know, sometimes you have to lose it all to wake up and smell the coffee. And the only person I now need to rely on for my financial health and well-being is myself. And that means being really prudent. It's funny because, you know, I recently took an online quiz about what kind of money person I am. And it turns out I am the independence seeker. <laughs> I started laughing because that would be true after entrusting my money with the wrong people. I'm not surprised that I now seek my own autonomy when it comes to money. 
Yeah, so this study, uh, it was by the University College London in conjunction with uh, BBC Labs. They say there's the money avoider. These people tend to ignore their financial situation and have a lot of fear and anxiety about money. There's the money worshiper. Those are the money people that, you know, want to get rich quick or buy the lottery tickets because they see money as the solution to all of their problems. Meanwhile, they they keep carrying all kinds of debt. There's the money status seeker, you know, the person that, you know, worships all the labels and buys their way into a class system to live like the lifestyle of the rich and famous And then there's the Scrooge, the money misers, you know, the ones that hoard, they underspend, they're ruthlessly cheap, sometimes at their own and other people's peril. You know, I once had a boss who I really liked, but he fell into this category and he owned a company, but he was so frugal. His car looked like Fred Flintstone, like literally holes in the floor of the car. It was so old and rickety. He would go around the office and pull out paper and old file folders out of people's garbage cans and then throw them back on their desk and say, reuse these. We're not buying more. And on a business trip to Chicago, he was so against paying the rates at the established, you know, large hotels near the convention center that we ended up staying at a motel style hotel miles and miles and miles away to to save money and in a really bad area of Chicago. I mean, even the cab driver didn't want to take us there and said he would gladly help us find a better place to stay. I mean, trust me, I was fearful. It wasn't, it ended up being next to an abandoned building with windows blown out of them, likely crack houses or whatever. I was so afraid that I moved the furniture in the room in front of the door every night. And then what did we do? We ended up spending all kinds of money on cabs to get us to the convention center, all to try to save a few dollars on hotel rooms. You know, our attitudes towards money is just crazy how it reflects like the decisions that we end up making. Anyway, lately I've been doing a real financial sort of cleanup upgrade, if you will. I'm going through all of my things. I'm reevaluating things like, you know, annual insurances, etc. And I reshop. I This was something that I never used to do. But you know what? This year, rates were going up everywhere. And I ended up saving $900 this year. I now realize how uh, vigilant I now need to be with my money. No, you don't get to just raise your rates and I'm just going to accept them. But you know, if you don't pay attention to your money, that's exactly what happens. It, it escapes you. So now I pay a lot more attention to my money. So, you know, there's a website called The Mint Life. Um, it's a pretty good website. They say you should make a budget for your happiness. Now, I really love this idea. What, they're, what, they, intend, what they mean by this is draw up a budget of your ideal life or the, something that is reflective of the life that you want to achieve for yourself. So clearly something within your means. But I really love this idea because now you have a real concrete plan and understanding of how much money it would take to live the life you really want for yourself. It's such a cool idea. 
And, you know, they mentioned that millionaires, they spend about eight to nine hours a month managing their own personal money. Now, you know, that's only an hour and a half a week staying on top of their money. I mean, I know people who have investments that never, ever look at their money. And it's not until their advisor calls for an annual summary meeting. Now, I used to be that person. And I didn't realize how much I was, you know, by losing sight of your money, you do end up losing in the end. But I'm not like that anymore. I treat my money just like I would my physical and mental health. There is a thing called financial health. It's a real thing. And I'm all about that now. And I'm the independent seeker. Thank you very much. But the one thing the Mint Life says that we should all do, that I believe Albert Einstein's secret sauce is, you know, that we've all tried so hard to do, manifest and attract more money, is that we actually need to just feel super thankful for what we do have and for the money that we do have right now, for the objects that the money has bought us, for the, for the things that money has afforded us to do you know, for the food and the roof over our heads, for everything. Just take a moment and reflect on your life and everything that money has provided for you. Walk around your home and realize just how much money has given to you, even no matter how meek or humble it might be. Because I really believe this deep in my soul. When we are truly grateful and, and we feel so happy for what we have and not so needy for what we don't have, then we, we are living a life of abundance, not scarcity. And that's, that's the key. And, and when we feel abundant, we're in a far better state of mind and energy to make wise choices about money and move towards it and attract more of it. I mean, ever wonder why rich people actually win lotteries? Because they're not needy for it. And when we let go of that need, and and instead start to acknowledge all that we have, it gives us a whole new perspective and relationship towards money. Because you know what I realized, it's okay to like money. It's okay to like what it can do for us and that you know that it's okay to go out and generate lots of it if you want. And while I do what I can to be generous and give my money to things and to people who need it, I often think about, oh, what I could do if I had more of it. The people, the children, the situations, the organizations, the world that I would want to help more. So it's a good idea to evaluate our relationship with money. I encourage you to really sort of think and ponder, you know, what are my behaviors? How, how do I deal with money? You know, how emotional am I uh, with money? How defensive I am, I, am I with money? Am I happy with it? Do I hate it? To remind ourselves, you know, there is no limit to money. There's no reason getting jealous about anyone. We can make as much as we want. There's an incredible opportunity facing all of us 
to generate as much money as we want and to do as much good for the world as we want. It's an incredible thought. You know, maybe your money is invested in businesses that generates employment. You know, maybe your money helps to, you know, finance, you know, research for cures for deadly diseases. Maybe your money helps to feed children all over the world. Maybe your money helps to end homelessness. You know, there's a lot of people that say, you know what, I'm satisfied. I like, I'm happy. I am very grateful for what I have. And it's a good thing. And, but they don't really care if they have more of it. But imagine what you could do if you did have more of it. What would you do with it? How would you help the world? What would you help solve? You know, we can do so much with money. Money in itself buys this thing, but it doesn't buy us, you know, the happiness, as they say. There's a Chinese proverb that I love so much. and It's been augmented slightly, and I've thrown a bit of it, changes in it myself. But it's things like, you know, with money, you can buy a house, but not a home. You know, with money, you can afford the best doctors, but not good health. With money, you can buy the most luxurious bed, but doesn't take away what keeps you up at night. With money, you can buy a clock, but never time. With money, you can buy a gun, but never safety. With money, you can buy friends, but not love. Money can buy your way into private clubs, but it sure doesn't buy you class or integrity. And yet, though, if we had heart and soul and thoughtfulness and compassion and love and and then combine that, you know, with money, man, that is a massive force for good, wouldn't you say? I mean, money starts with the value we place on ourselves, but it ends with what we do with it in this world. I mean, we cannot take our money with us when we go. We all know this. You know, we don't always get what we want in life. We get what we are. So what are we and what do we want to be remembered for? And can money help us to achieve those goals? Happy spring, everyone. This is truly an auspicious time. There are buds and things are growing and the birds are chirping. It's a sign of new life and new abundance. And I hope this is a new beginning of massive abundance and wealth of love and happiness for you. May you do with it what your heart desires. And May you think about what you want your legacy in this world to be. So that's it for me today. I hope you join me again next time. This is Tiz. Hey, thanks for being such a great listener. I don't know where I'd be without you. 
make sure you hit follow and the subscribe button to stay informed and go ahead and visit tiztalks.ca for more information. And regardless of what you decide to do today, do it with all your heart. <laughs>